This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Uh, my name is Julie Mathers. I'm the CEO and founder of Flora and Fauna. And what I love about sustainability is the awakening and awareness of consumers and how we're changing from the ground up and how that's forcing businesses to change. And we're seeing that every day. I'm Phoebe Yu, uh, founder and CEO of Attitude. What I love about sustainability is it, it opened a lot of innovation that to try to use new ways, new thinkings to redo a lot of things. My name is Anna Julia Foster. I'm the founder of Anna Julia Foster Shoes. And what I like about sustainability is that it is so strongly connected in my space to the artisanal and to the craft, which is also very transparent. Um, and I really have always worked like that as a bespoke shoemaker and it's growing more and more the refocus on that. Welcome everyone to another episode of Fashion Is Your Business. We are live over here in Sydney, Australia at the online retailer program in partnership with Nora Network and these episodes are brought to you by Fluent Commerce. And ah, we have a very exciting uh, conversation. This is a uh, uh, we've a collection or a collective of thought leaders in the sustainability space that are here um, local to Australia and very curious to kind of hear and unpack kind of where we are here and where we need to go. So with us we have Julie Mathers of Flora and Fauna, we have Phoebe Yu of Attitude, and we have Anna Forster of Anna Julia Forster. Yes. <laughs> this episode was recorded in Australia and is presented by Fluent Commerce the leader in smart cloud native omni-channel order management at fluentcommerce.com. You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, powered by Sennheiser and recorded on location with Pavan Ball, Rob Sanchez, and Mark Rako. And now, here are your hosts... So why don't we take a quick, quick second to uh, to introduce ourselves and uh, what the brands are all about. So Julie, oh, for our audience that uh, have been longtime listeners, you may have remembered Julie's uh, episode that we did in uh, Shop Talk Copenhagen, where we really dove into the the whole business background of Flora and Fauna. Yeah. So when we yeah. start. So, um, so our business is an eco ethical business, and we stock multiple different brands and we're all about uh, getting more products out to consumers and also educating consumers as well and helping them on their journey to living a more sustainable life. Everything we sell is vegan and cruelty free. That's just a baseline for us. And we sell products across beauty, skincare, um, we sell some fashion, we sell home and, um, and a little bit of chocolate. <laughs> and a little bit of chocolate. Yeah, yeah. that's purely for my benefit, actually. <laughs> Fast becoming a bestseller. Uh, and and we're also, very importantly, actually, a B Corp, which I know is, a, is quite uh, a big thing in the US and becoming more and more important here. And those recognize, that B Corp is all about recognizing um, companies that uh, use their business for doing good, effectively. Um, Attitude is a direct-to-consumer brand provide the world's healthiest and most sustainable bed sheets. So I spent five years in R&D to uh, develop the world's only new generation bamboo lysol fabric. 
which is super breathable, hyperallergenic, antimicrobial, and eco-friendly, and at the same time, waste soft and cotton. So it uses an organic solution to dissolve the bamboo, and uh, in the production, we recycle water in the system, um, so the whole production is uh, very sustainable. So it's the new generation. We often call it the bedding of the future because cotton mm. consumes too much water to produce. Um, so we also want, uh, so our customers are our health and eco-conscious consumers. Uh, we definitely see the trend is people want that lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, which is very encouraging. Great. And Anna? Um, yeah, my name is Anna from uh, Anna Julia Foster Shoes. I am a bespoke shoemaker and I'm in the process of launching a sustainable premium footwear brand for women um, because I think there's not enough happening in the space. There's a lot happening in the vegan space, but I don't believe the vegan products are entirely there yet because often petrochemicals are used to, to make fake leathers and polyurethane, which is from you know made from oil. Um, but my brand will have a strong focus on transparency and re- complete cutting out of all plastics and also chemicals so that the product doesn't have any toxins, no carcinogens, and will also biodegrade and not con- con- continue to build a trash pile that fashion is causing in the world anyway. You know, of course, sustainability has been on the minds of everybody. And, you know, uh, recently I was over at South by Southwest, which is a large technology conference in uh, the U.S. stateside. And um, it's almost it's shifted from a, oh, it's nice to be transparent and it's nice to be sustainable and have those initiatives to a must do this. Because it seems like there's been a bit of a shift where, of course, fashion being the second largest polluter in the world, um, it is up to now us to change the way that we actually produce and the way that we are systemizing our processes. Otherwise, this hole is being dug very, very rapidly and exponentially. So I want to talk about, so uh, I want to start this conversation with, you know, when I walk around Sydney, um, the attention to recycling and composting, and it's, it's evident everywhere. Like, it seems as though the, the communities here are more um, mindful than I've seen in other places of the world. Um, does that translate into the consumer side as well? Like, where, where are we with sustainable fashion and beauty and, and products here in, in Australia? So, my opinion on this one is, we st- I feel that we are still quite behind, actually. Uh, if you, you look at places like the Nordic countries, they're doing a great job. The consumer is quite far advanced. We have programs over here called War on Waste and various other things. It was on last night actually and it's um, it's very educational for people. So if people want to make changes, they want to stop using plastic straws, stop using coffee cups and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But we are still using them. Businesses are still providing them. They're here today. Um, and we need to get businesses and the government and councils need to get better at providing alternatives. So a great example is recycling. So we've just written an article on it recently, actually. We were trying to get to the bottom of recycling to help our customers because every council is different. And it is very confusing if you can recycle hard plastic or soft plastic. And actually we have very few industrial composting 
facilities here in Australia. So we will sell things which are compostable, but unless they're home compostable, it's very difficult for people to um, dispose of them. So they end up in landfill. So it's actually the, the consumer's there, people are there, but we are yet, this is my opinion, we are yet to catch up um, in Australia to provide the services. Phoebe, do you want to uh, expand on that? Yeah, I agree what Judy said. Interesting, I was in South by Southwest earlier this year too, and I was stopped um, by Oxfam people on the street, so they were ask, asking me, um, so do you know about sustainability, that they, they tried to educate me, and then they suddenly asked me, where are you from? I said, I'm from Australia. Oh, they said, oh, you're from Australia, and then you already know about it. So it seems yeah. as Australian, we, we have a reputation that the... Um, of being better human beings. Uh, well, just kind of maybe more um, <laughs> conscious about these things, right? which I hope that's true. But I think, yeah, consumers are getting better and better, especially the younger ones. They mm -hmm. are very conscious, so they, they love business who make that effort. But I, I do think so bigger business and, and the government need to make easier for people to, to do that. Like uh, people shouldn't like, you know, grow the mountain, uh, crawl over the mountains to... To be sustainable, it should be just very make them very convenient, easy to do so. So, I, I mean, simple things make such a profound yeah. impact. Like Julie, you brought your own water bottle, right? And I'm assuming that never leaves your side. Correct. And then things like you know, my office that I work in, it's a little bit of a co-share place. They don't do any plastic anymore, and they switched it for the month of May, just oh, yeah. as a test. Yeah. And everyone was so they embraced it so heavily. So yeah. there's no straws anymore, no plastic cups, things like that. Yes. And then they showed the impact of what just that month of May was on what we as a community and that collective inside of that co-working space made. And it was dramatic. Mm, it's yeah. profound. So it's like these small little adjustments. Yeah. So like, you know, what type of education are you guys putting out there, if at all? Or what type of um, content are you putting out there to encourage these small changes that may make a larger impact? And maybe Anna can start there. Um, I, My main way of content producing is my Instagram channel and um, I actually grew up in Germany. I moved to Australia seven years ago so I actually grew up with recycling being just the thing and my mom cleaning the yogurt cups meticulously and putting them to the side for the recycling bin and I actually have to say unfortunately I don't think that Australians are that good at recycling. So there might be efforts now in the workspace where plastic's being cut out and there's no straws and whatever, but if you go to a domestic bin pile behind the house, there are people putting um, vacuum cleaners into the, the normal household bin. They're putting uh, plastic into the green bin for organics. Um, I think the the actual follow-through of the, of the households is really bad, and I don't know how... Um, yeah, how the, the the government I think it's a it's a two sided thing. The government needs to help educate more and provide more actual recycling facilities because Australia doesn't actually have a recycling industry. There's only paper recycling, really. The rest all of the other recycling waste was shipped to China until the start of the year until China said that's it for the whole world. We're not importing certain plastics anymore, especially because there's very um very polluted and very contaminated because they're still mixed. There's food scraps in there. We don't want to clean your, your waste because China is now on this big mission to maybe become the greenest country in the world, which is great. Um, but yeah, so Australia doesn't have their own recycling industry, but at the same time, the customer, so they need to start now. I've, I've heard there's a tender now out where they're like um, encouraging uh, entrepreneurs to, with more grants to actually come up with great ideas of how recycling can be done here. 
But it also starts with the people in the households because how is it going to go better if the the recycling waste that the government and the councils are picking up is just of the worst condition? Mm. So it, it's it really sad like to watch. It, it sounds like it's more of an education thing more than yeah. it is like a willingness to do this. So like for for instance, you know, recycling a, a vacuum in the regular bin or throwing it out in the regular bin, th- there just may not be an understanding that that's something that can be reused right well, but the the um, plastic in the in the green bin for the leaves and i've seen that yeah. so many times some councils are now going around and are putting thumbs up or thumbs down yeah, onto yeah. the bins i saw that it's really great like yeah. educating mm-hmm. the customer sorry we're not happy with the state of your recycling bin so mm-hmm. i think that's that's yeah. a good effort in yeah. educating yeah and how does this flow through? So, like, the, the impact in this conversation could be on product, right? You guys all have an individual and unique product brand that you're launching or you have launched um, that focuses on this uh, footprint impact or minimizing this impact. Um, how would you consult other brands to do the same? Like, it, this seems like a very daunting task to do it right. So there's everything through like supply chain and, and uh, transparency in the supply chain, minimizing delivery um, uh, distances. And it, it could get as detailed as, I mean, it, it could yeah. be very, very minute. Yeah. So I'm wondering like wh- what, what is kind of like the first steps to, yeah. to turning your brand into a, a mindful participant? So, I, so what we ask now when we look at new brands, um, there are certain questions we ask. Are you vegan? Are you cruelty free? Do you have palm oil? But also, what is your packaging? And that's one of the first things we ask. And actually, if there's nothing, if they haven't thought about it, or if there's nothing different about it, they go to the bottom of the pile. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing, there's not, they, if they don't care, then we don't care about them, basically. But if there is a brand that has thought about their packaging, so we've, we've actually just launched a few new brands, one from Canada, a makeup brand, which is all in bamboo packaging. It's beautiful. And it's be- quickly become our best-selling makeup brand, actually. Um, which, What's the name of that? Um, Elate. Elate? Elate. Cool. Yeah. Um, exclusive to us, actually. Hmm? Exclusive to us. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> yep. um, bamboo packaging. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> it's really nice. It's beautiful. It's refillable. Um, it's all recyclable. They've just done an amazing job with it. And their aim is to be the world's first zero waste beauty brand. So we just love their ethics and their mission. So if, so with brands like that, we will embrace them and hold them up. There's another one, another very local brand and they've um, made products in paper packaging. So a lot of brands that we speak to go, oh no, we can't put our deodorant in a paper, pack, in a paper tube. Well, yeah, you can because someone has. So, again, we've stocked them, and they're a very small cult brand, but they're doing a great job. And, um, and we sold out of their products in, like, the first two days. So I think from our perspective, we actively will chase brands like that. But then we will also work with our existing brands. And, and quite a few of them actually have changed to glass packaging over uh, plastic, which is great. And we also say, please do not send any plastic in your... Um, unnecessary plastic in your packaging because we've just got to get rid of it. We don't. We never give that to the consumer because we want to recycle it properly. So just sort it out at source. Um, so we do. We work a lot with with brands around that as well, and even with things down to our boxes. You know, a lot of people have said, "Oh, why don't you 
you source your boxes from China and get them shipped in. Well, no, because that's really irresponsible. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes a long time to get here and it's very heavy and so on and so forth. So um, we source them from a place which is 14 kilometers down the road and they're made from recycled Sydney waste because that's a far more responsible thing to do from our perspective. So, and we, we actively work with our other brands to help them kind of on that journey, I suppose. And what's quite cool, actually, because I think we spoke last year about the minimal packaging mm -hmm. um, tick box that we put at checkout. So we have the minimal packaging tick box. That was our checkout. brainstorm. It was our, our brainstorm. Yeah, yeah, it was our brainstorm. And we launched it the day before where you could check the box at, tick the box at checkout and you would get minimal packaging. Anyway, we've now made that standard. Did you really? Yeah. So oh, we that's did, cool. Yeah, so we did that a few weeks ago because um, we had about a 40% uptake of people ticking it anyway. And then we just went, well, let's just make that as the standard. So you have to untick it as a consumer and basically say, mm. I do not want to be environmentally or be as environmentally oh, friendly yeah, as I Oh, yeah, that's a shaming like, situation going on yeah. right there. So we get maybe 0. something percent of customers who untick that. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, that I wonder if uh, we could integrate, like, shop maybe we should talk to Shopify over here and tell them to integrate that into their e-commerce uh, well, widgets. <laughs> We've seen a few of our brands now do it, which yeah. is great. So they're, they're adding that in, which is just brilliant because it's, because yeah, the consumers just have to get rid of that packaging. And, and it's, there's some weird shaming mechanism that goes into actually wanting to check the box yeah. that says, I want heavier packaging, right? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me more, which is got, and you know, and look, you could use it as gifting. So it actually has a place. Right. Um, but yeah, a lot of people don't untick mm -hmm. it, which is cool. I, I, I love hearing that because I what I also do, I work, um, we're setting up Australia's first um, industry association for sustainable fashion. And we're getting, we're now working with lots of fashion brands who also want to reduce the impact and all of these yeah. things. So that, I'd love to share your stats on your conversion and, and that the yeah, opting in that. and opting out. When are you looking to launch that? Um, it's a uh, launch that is not finalized yet, but mm -hmm. we're... Um, Probably within the next six months. Okay. Yeah, Do you have so a name yet? Would, uh, that yeah, you're ready to go out Austra Australasian Circular Textile Association. And Very we good. did a conference earlier in the year in March, Australia's first sustainable fashion conference. And pretty much the the whole voice of the of the visitors, of our 300 visitors was, um, yeah, we need an industry body that helps, like that connects the dots, that teaches, that... Um, And just advocates with the government for the very reasons I spoke about earlier as well, because textile waste is another problem. People yeah. mostly don't know what to do with their old clothes if they're not suitable for charity anymore, or they do throw them in the charity bin and then the charities are spending apparently millions of dollars sorting that stuff and then channeling the rags back into landfill. So we're also working on solutions for that. You know, it's interesting because even uh, merchandising solutions can can change this a lot too, right? Just data analytics overall and just not overproducing things. Yeah, yeah. Like, really, like, it's, so, it's on so many levels, right? Yes, we we will aim to help with a lot do, of these do things. You, do you have a suggestion or maybe some sort of um, advice that something simple that brands can implement today to make an impact? Yeah, packaging like these are uh, these clothes bags. You know, when you get your stuff from the factory, these like flimsy, very thin, non-recyclable um, clothes bags. If they could be changed into, I don't know, the cornstarch bags or something, that's mm. a good one that dissolve in water. Mm. Um, that's a very quick one. Just go to your factory, say we don't want these bags yeah. anymore. Um, I'm sure there's there's actually pull in that direction already. Yeah, and how about you, Phoebe? Any uh, any quick tips? 
Yeah, I think like why I set up on on brand a few years ago is then I can control the narrative and use innovative ways. As I said, I, what I love about sustainability is to have a new way of thinking. It not necessarily has to be expensive or very hard to do. It's like we use our cut of fabric to make make the packaging of the sheets itself. So there's no additional resources. Um, so it's like upcycle. Pack- packaging is the biggest thing yeah, for you all, yeah. huh? Because it could be yeah. very unnecessary and also mm-hmm. or. Uh, if there is any plastic, it has to be biodegradable. So it's like we would dissolve um, yeah. in, in compost. So it's just about the, to think, think, think a bit more to be more aware of these things as as brand or um, because if you don't you don't be pro, pro, proactive on those things, I mean, consumer will vote with their dollars. Like um, they, they they will think, uh, you know, your brand is. You don't care about this, and we don't care about you. Exactly as what Julie said, and consumer wouldn't care about you too, like if you don't care. So, and it's fun to do for me personally. It's it's very fun to figure out a new way to do things, and it's not necessarily more expensive and can be more sustainable. It's just it's fun. Yeah, I think yeah. the preconceived notion is that if you're doing all this, they're going to be spending more money, cutting down their margins, which that's not the case no, at all. No, not the case. No. All right, I think this is a perfect time to take a quick break, and when we come back. Um, more with uh, Julie, Phoebe, and Anna um, regarding just the, the current state and the future, where we need to go here on Fashion Is Your Business, an online retailer. Fluent Commerce is the leader in smart cloud native omni channel order management. They help businesses be faster and more convenient to shop with by giving them a single view of their inventory across all channels and the ability to automatically route orders to distribution centers or store locations depending on stock location, customer proximity, and shipping rates. Clients include Woolworths, Samsung, French Connection, JD Sports, Topshop, and many more. Find out more at FluentCommerce.com. You can follow Fashion Is Your Business on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available at FashionIsYourBusiness.com and listen and subscribe wherever the best podcasts are found. So we touched a little bit on the first segment about um, merchandising, how that can play a big role in just reducing waste overall, knowing mm. um, clear-cut data to say, okay, you're not overproducing. And, and it, it could also be a, a further revenue opportunity if you're really just planning correctly, a lot less waste. I'm curious to hear about other technologies that you're seeing that could help impact or, or reduce impact, So such as anything on the logistical side and sourcing. Um, It could be last mile. It could be uh, in the break. We talked a little bit about blockchain that has a massive impact potential. Uh, What are what are you seeing out there that's that's quite interesting? And maybe we'll start with you, Anna. Well, in my space, um, for my own footwear brand, I'm gonna have a lot of um, focus on transparency, tracing back through the entire supply chain what happened when, 
what kind of chemicals are going to be put in the process, where the raw materials are coming from, so you can feel good about what you're putting on your feet and that you're not going to get sick from it or that no one got harmed in the process, like factory workers or anything. Yeah. But I also think, um, so, so just transparency and provenance is a, is a massive um, application for the blockchain technology. Sure. And just um, making sure nothing gets gets um, hidden in the whole process and um, I also see that applied in fashion for example if, if uh, a fast fashion retailer now wants to change to more sustainable materials and designing for circularity they could be using um, recycled polyester for their production but the problem is um, the recycled polyester um, can't 100% be traced back that it's extra recycled so well, you, you don't know because they all look the same these pellets and supply chains are often very murky well that's the thing so that's so where we, the blockchain would be an amazing tool to we, actually trace back we had Nina Shariati who's the head of sustainability efforts at H&M on the show twice and uh, most recently um, we were talking about her supply chain transparency and this is in March where we weren't talking as much about blockchain as we are today um, a lot has changed in the last four or five months. But, I mean, she has, I think, 70% of her um, full supply chain down to the third level identified. Mm, but it's so difficult to get past that boundary. Like, 70% is a tremendous amount. And I hope that blockchain does have that impact that you could get to that 80 90% um, for a company like an H&M. Yeah. It's um, just hard, the whole transparency transparency the transparency thing <laughs> like in footwear for example if you go to manufacturers or or anyone in the supply chain you'll you'll and have a conversation they'll just go like oh if it's more transparent no one can do business anymore yeah you know you know so why because they're like, using the three other manufacturers yes, on the back yes, end that you have exactly. no idea about right so you're purchasing from one person that says yeah, yeah, yeah everything's totally good and then they're getting you know they're subcontracting out whether it's their zippers or you know some some yep. finishings or, and and you have no idea you have no exactly. where that's how that's happening. Exactly. So it's going to be very um, exciting. Yeah, I, I think it's it's going to change entirely. I mean, so Julie, that's a great like like are you seeing that inside of your marketplace now? Are you are you looking at blockchain and how you can now set standards in flora and fauna so that now all the manufacturers are tracked and traced? Yeah, yeah. So we. Um, I mean, we've got 215 brands. 215? Yeah. At last count, maybe 216. Um, so um, a lot of them are local. It's a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and a lot of them have certifications and various other things, which really help. Um, we focus... So I suppose we... So we, we do look at that in huge detail. I mean, to the point, actually, where I'm annoying someone greatly at the moment which is a brand that I'm looking at bringing on. But um, because everything we sell is cruelty-free and vegan, and it really can't be tested on animals at all. And uh, it's Band-Aids. And mm. they're a big problem because they're actually a medical device. And the uh, hypoallergenic bit of it has to be uh, tested on animals. Um, so we don't stock them, but I've seen lots of... So, However, if you go to their website, they say, yep, yep, we're cruelty-free. We are not testing on animals. Yep. So I'm currently in a bit of a back and forth with the CEO because I said, you are misleading customers because your ingredients are tested on animals. So someone, one of our customers, could be buying that in good faith 
thinking I'm doing the right thing, but actually they're not. Because if you go back a level, they're test on animals, which is, and you know, that's fine. That is what it is, but be upfront about it. Like don't mislead. So, so we go, we go back quite a bit, particularly in, in terms of that. Have you heard from your clients um, or your brand partners about them getting on blockchain and giving you that ledger, essentially, that visibility into it yet? No, no. It, we're not there. Yeah. Like, you know, our brands yeah. are not there at all yet. So um, I think there's a bit of a way to go yet. Uh, yeah, it's new. It's nascent, yeah, right? Yeah. So, um, but I, I'm, I'm curious food to see how that... It's starting unfolds. to happen with food provenance oh. more. That'd be tr- I mean, it's tremendous. I think then it's going to trickle more into the other spaces because it's the system. with food, it was the same also with the, the eco, the, the organic movement. Yeah. It started with what we put in our bodies first. Now the second thing is what do we put on We're our on bodies, mm-hmm. right? So I think once the food thing is really running it will trickle yeah. more into the other yeah. areas yeah. there's one brand actually that we well we we used to sell we now don't sell it because we pulled it straight away but they've just been done actually by the um a here because they had their labeling was all around organic i think it was pure natural organic and actually they're not pure or natural or organic <laughs> so so they've they've so there's a lot more, um, I suppose, it's very good actually because there's a lot more clamping down that's being done and that's also set a precedent. So um, we've been quite open about that with some of our skincare brands in terms of you need to have a look at your labelling because... Greenwashing as yes, well. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Phoebe, have you seen any technologies? Are you, are you interested in any sort of innovations that are helping this whole movement out? That could- um, yeah, I think my area of uh, expertise more in the material or fabric innovation that I do see a lot. Um, so not our fabric is innovative, but I, I see uh, there's a lot of U.S. startups is also was experimenting a lot of new materials fabric. I think one uh, one is like they in lab they create those silk, but like mimic like spider silk, so yeah. it's super strong, but it has the same. Soft feeling as real silk, but Is it's that bold to- threads. Uh, yes, uh, bold threads. but then yeah. that, that's also culture free yeah. because there's you don't kill the silk warm. So I think Stella McAtenney is working with them to create clothing. So that could be one solution for fashion that, that you can totally use new materials, which are just much better. And there's uh, materials fabric uh, created from seaweed, from um, like uh, crab shell. Uh, which is the protein. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So it's also good really for the uh, patient who have, um, who got the, you know, burn. Anything. Yeah, more medical, uh, more medical level. Because if you have a heavy burn and uh, if your skin was on those cotton, then you, oh, that's pain. But yeah, those yeah. kind of, they like mimic human protein. So kind of eventually they dissolve. So they right kind on. of, yeah, yeah, it's like a temporary skin on you. And then when your new skin grow, they dissolve. Uh, and also from coconut husk. I think there's another, there's uh, a lot of uh, plant-based can, can turn into fabric or other things. There's also the, um, uh, there's one startup on Kickstarter. They use the coffee husk to then make those cups. So those cups also eventually are totally yeah. biodegradable. Uh, so I, I, li- I like those ideas, like to totally use new materials, new ways to 
make things, so they're way much better the conventional ways. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And you're saying, so um, both threads, speaking of them, they mm. were actually on one of our shows called The mm. Current Innovators, okay. and uh, we recorded with them at South yeah. By again. They're yeah, fantastic. so cool, yeah, yeah. I'm um, keen to. I'm really keen to see their mycelium leather. I've yeah. actually contacted them, but I haven't heard back uh -huh. um, because I've seen it applied on a bag, but I'm not sure how it would work on shoes because there's lots of um, pulling in shoe making. Mm -hmm. So the material needs to be quite dense to then withstand the pulling and to be shaped around sure. the shoe and like and and heat differences, temperature differences. So I'd love to have a play with their mycelium leather. That's like some really good-looking um, alternative leather. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, on the inventory management side, of course, uh, you know, we 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 mentioned that fluent commerce is part of this conversation a little bit. Um, you know, they they help that kind of distribution of inventory and just kind of like that click and pick up and things like that. Is there stuff on that end that you've seen? Whether it's logistical planning, you mentioned Julie, like the impact of making your boxes in China yeah. and bringing them here made no sense yeah. because yeah. ultimately that's irresponsible. You have one that's a manufacturer that's 10 or 12 kilometers out. Yeah. So yeah. that that's super important. So are you how are you what are you seeing on that side? Yeah, so we've um we focus as much on the internals of the business as we do on what the customer sees as well and I think that's really important. Um what we're seeing so there's a few things actually that we're doing I mean we so we're just about to move warehouse which is all very exciting and terrifying at the same time and um, and we're going to go to a full scan uh, facility so we can be paperless which will do a few things it will reduce human error so it'll reduce wastage, excess stock, all of that sort of stuff um, it also means that we don't need to put a packing slip into every order actually most of the time they're not even looked at and so we're saving paper on that front we're also looking at um we're also looking at something quite cool at the moment which is uh a box basically it's a machine that can make a box to fit the product the exact size yes yeah. exactly exactly exact size yeah so because sometimes someone will just buy a lipstick, but right now that it's going out in a box, it's just way too big and it's very wasteful. Every and time I get an Amazon package, I'm yeah. like, it's it's oh, yeah. like you know, it's 16 right. inches or whatever wide, yes. and the product is like four. Yes, at most. It's and it's and from our perspective, how logistics works here as well. A lot, yeah. most of it is done on cube, so it's actually costing us more money than it should, than it needs to. So we're looking at some technology like that. And the only challenge that I've got going on in my head at the moment is I want to preserve brand as well as, yeah. you know, so, and I need to get over that, <laughs> basically. Yeah. I need to just get over it. Yeah. Um, but there's various things like that that we're looking at to help us uh, be more efficient, basically, in the, in the back end. And it will speed, speed us up as well. Mm -hmm. I would. I just. We we use third-party warehouse, so it's a bit hard for yeah us like to control them in the level. Julie can control yeah. her warehouse, but I would like yeah. But when we choose partner in future, we could um, prefer the warehouse which would have done something, or maybe they offset their transportation, or they use maybe solar trucks. I think when that's available. So when when, when we pick our suppliers, we absolutely will look at those criteria. So going into starting Acta, like what, what type of um, conversations are you looking to spur over there? Are you going to be bringing in educators from around the world or are you get, is this going to be peer-to-peer -peer within Australia itself? 
Um, I'd say both. Um, there's definitely a need to just share knowledge as an industry. This is an overall industry effort, a, a country effort, a whole human effort to be more sustainable. So knowledge sharing is important. Um, but we will also be um, bringing in international service providers, experts in the field. There's some really amazing work being done in Europe. There's always the Copenhagen Fashion Summit, which is the largest sustainability yeah. conference in the world. Um, we're going to try and partner with um, like-minded uh, associations and, and uh, businesses and uh, associations to drive forward the idea. Yeah. Was there, um, so I'm not terribly sure about the programming here at Online Retailer, but do they have a concerted focus on sustainability? I know, Phoebe, you spoke. Um, Julie, were you a speaker? This Wasn't time? asked. Okay. <laughs> I'll cut it. But um, so was there a bit of a focus on that from your uh, perspective? No, or? not really. What I talked about today was more about um, as online brand, how we create physical touch points okay. with customer. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. Got it. So maybe that's a good start is to, to yeah. bring ACTA into this environment and, and kind of push forward some of those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's really about just talking about it, right? So, um, yeah. you know, one, one thing... Yeah. yeah. Retailing. Yeah. You know, going back to, like, the, the fast fashion and, you know, um, big box side of things, you know, you're often finding that efforts on their end are being scrutinized quite dramatically, um, you know, saying that whatever they're doing is not enough or the transparency is not enough. Like, it's never going to be enough because by nature, when you're pumping out that much product, there is a contrast in what we believe to be sustainable or those things. What are your reflections on that? And um, where, where should we be going on that end of things when you have these brands that really have these the impact potential? With um, fast fashion, in, especially in the, the women's space, uh, where there's a lot of polyester, like cheap, cheap um, polyester clothing pre being produced, I think the brands have not taken enough responsibility to use what's already there. So as in designing for circularity and using recycled polyester, because there's so much plastic already on this planet, why not use what's already there? And yes, it's currently still more expensive recycled polyester but once there is more demand it's going to go down so I think it's just making that commitment mm -hmm. and just using like designing with having a recycle like an end of life or a set, not an end of life like a, 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 the, the, the circularity in mind yeah Julie how old is your client your customer oh they are 25 to 50 25 to 50 does it skew younger though overall no no, no, it's it's pretty, that, pretty middle, like, pretty streamlined. We're, it's actually it's about thirty five would be the you know. Yeah, the, that's the that's elder than I would expect it to be. Yeah, I mean we 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 do have plenty of young people coming on board, but um, uh, but a lot of the products we sell are home. Some of the skincare is not particularly cheap. And so they're right, going... Right, that's the barrier right there. Yeah. I mean, we do have uh, cheaper ranges. So we sell products like Sukin, which is affordable, but equally it's available at Chemist Warehouse and they've normally got it on discount. No, I'm totally cool with that. Mm -hmm. But as a result of that, younger younger um, people will probably go there instead. Um, so, and, and yeah, we do sell a lot of home products and typically you need a bit more disposable income for that. Where, where, yeah, but where do you see this, like, the, the shift happening, if at all, um, about younger generations maybe in 10 years or so? Because you could just see and feel the movement in their 
in their decisions, right? Huge. That, Huge. Yeah. We see a lot of, um, yeah, I mean, we do have a young audience and certainly a lot of the, the Instagrammers who follow us and post about us because we don't actually work with influencers. They we just sort of, do it naturally. They just do it naturally. And that was very important to us and to me. So we actively don't do it because we want, if people talk about us, we want it to be authentic as opposed to paying someone to one day hold L'Oreal product and the next yeah. day hold ours. It's just not very authentic for us. So, um, and they're pretty young. But what they're doing, which we love, and I particularly love, is they're being real drivers of change. So they're being like the change advocates and they're going out to their communities, which are normally pretty big, um, much bigger than I could ever get <laughs> with my personal Instagram because I'm too old. Um, but they're going out and they're holding their followers accountable. And they're showing things like, hey, this is the amount of waste that I created this month. And it could fit into a cup. You know, that's, that's what they're doing. So, so we're absolutely seeing that at a younger, in a younger generation. Um, we have some of the team who work with us who have kids and who have grandkids. And they're telling us that what's happening is at the kids' nurseries, you know, when they're like three, four years old, the, the children are being educated on how to recycle. And then they're coming home and they're telling their parents and grandparents how they're doing it wrong. So, so it will absolutely shift. Like, it's, it's shifting. Yeah, I grew up in an age of plastic yeah. fantastic. And that's what we're used to. Was that the slogan? Plastic fantastic? I think it is now. It was like everything was pilot high, chuck it in plastic and, and freeze it as well. We yeah. were growing up in the UK, everything was frozen. Um, and, um, and so it, it's shifting and it's changing. And, and we are seeing that. Time. Yeah, our demographic is actually going younger. Uh, a few years ago, we were predominantly 35 to 45, but now the biggest uh, contributing to revenues from 25 to 34. So absolutely go younger. So the younger generation is absolutely going that way. It's more conscious consumers. I mean, I'm just projecting a massive shift, not a small, not a, not a little one. And, and all of your businesses are positioned well mm. yeah. uh, for the future because, yeah. I mean, it just it can't stay this way. Yeah. No. Right? There's a, there's a pile of empty cups in front of us. And yeah. I mean, it's just... Yeah. And the challenge will be what happens with these cups? Because I bet you they're going to end up in landfill in reality. Because yeah. here, I'm not sure what they're recycling processes are because we're just not very good as a country yet so that that's a real yeah i don't think that's unique to to australia that's just it's just really the world over for sure yeah well look i think this is a perfect time to take a break when we come back it's going to be our final segment which is off the grid questions where we learn a little bit more personally about our guests versus their professional worlds right when we're back with fashion is your business here at online retailer with nora network Welcome to Hashtag Moms Got This. Get your mom life fix four days a week. I'm Michelle Park. And I'm Stacey Eagle. Together, we chatted up with a new boss mom each week about her journey and why she's got this. Make sure to subscribe and show us some love on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever the best podcasts are found. And remember, Mom's Got This. All right, so we're back with Off the Grid Questions, and I'm going to ask you all um, the same question, if that doesn't matter. And now, it's... 
It's time for questions off the grid. Which fashion is your business? And I'm, I'll start with Julie because I'm facing you directly, and it's just easier that way. <laughs> okay. Can you um, can you remember a moment from your childhood that was so transformational that set you on this path of being an advocate for sustainability? So, I'm a huge animal lover, which is massively linked to my sustainability, um, I suppose, and, and general planet passion. And so, I, I think what... Um, so, I grew up in the north of England in a suburban area with not surrounded by much nature at all, which is now completely different to where I live, which is completely surrounded by nature in the Aussie bush. Actually, um, our friend Kelly Stickle, who's here from Rebedista, she, she stayed at your place and next door to um, <laughs> your pig. She had the room next door to Rosie's. <laughs> I was nearly going to make a sleep with Rosie, actually, but no, we didn't. Um, and um, um, But something that my, so something my mum did when I was a child was she used to rescue um, injured animals and she'd bring them back and go, Julie, nurse them to health. And, and I quite and I remember nursing many, many, many animals. Not always to health. Some didn't quite make the cut. Um, but that was a really important. I mean, we, we had it. We ended up having a pet squirrel for about a year um, because my mum found it as a baby. So that really gave me a huge compassion for the environment and nature and the world that we live in. And from then on, I've gone and worked in Spain building solar cookers and done all sorts of various things throughout my childhood and and life. Hmm. I grew up in in China. So back then, actually, there's there's no this concept of sustainability. But the old Chinese way at the time, China's still poor. Um, So we, we don't waste things. If you have clothing, you fix it. Uh, if your shoe's broken, you fix it. You don't go buy a new one. Uh, or you, you finish your food. You don't um, leave the food. But then when I was 20-something, but China go through that rapid growth point and people start to be very wasteful. Like they suddenly become rich and there's a lot of waste and don't know, totally don't know about um, sustainability or eco-friendly. Then I moved to Australia in 2006. So I often tell people that I don't have a culture shock because I, before that I already tra- travel a lot for business. But then I came to Australia, I always have this sustainability shock. So I say, oh, what I used to do or help those big companies sourcing in China is, is totally wrong. The, those products are totally not, not good for the environment. So I like get all those education here in Australia. Then I start to decide, okay, I want to first stop being the middle person that's as a business model not sustainable. And also I want to set up my own brand so I can control the narrative, so I can teach the supplier to do the right thing if you, you tell them what you want and you're willing to pay them slightly a little bit they can so that make more impact yeah um, for me I grew up in Germany um, in the countryside in a small uh, town and um, in my family it was always about um, knowing where something comes from so like transparency and also this provenance like they would buy our um, our eggs at a farm that was somewhere like an organic farm already back when I was a child or everything local and also yeah recycling was very big always also when I grew up and also probably the same as with Phoebe uh, just a general 
notion of not wasting anything and like valuing what you have, buying good quality, keeping it, mending it, um, and yeah, keeping it for a long time. And so I've always not been a big consumer actually. And I actually set myself the goal this year not to consume anything new, like for an entire year. Um, so it's just been very much in me always the idea of sustainability, transparency, and yeah, conscious consumption. Thank you all so much for being on the show. Um, real quick, I'm wondering, and I'll keep with you, Anna, um, who are you looking to connect with these days and what's the best way to contact you? I'm looking to connect with um, like-minded people in the sustainability space because, as I said, it's like a, a big um, common effort for all of us together. So I just love um, exchanging thoughts with like-minded individuals. Um, it's easiest to find me on LinkedIn. It's Anna Forster, F-O-R-S-T-E-R. Great. And Julie? Yep. So, um, similar to Anna, anyone interested in sustainability, responsibility, um, uh, B Corp, other businesses like that plus also anyone if you think you have an amazing brand that we should have here in Australia um, then please do get in touch with me uh, you can contact me on my email which is very easy julie at flora and fauna.com.au and last but not certainly not least uh, Phoebe uh, yeah um, yeah sometimes we also work with uh, like minded brands to uh, create specific products um, leverage uh, the strengths of both brands uh, we also work with boutique hotels um, to deliver our products to uh, more, more, more consumers can uh, experience our products so yeah any, anyone is interested in working with our brands can reach me at phoebe at attitude.com great and can you spell attitude please it's e-t-t-i-t-u-d means eco attitude perfect thank you so much and again Julie, Phoebe and Anna thank you so much for being on the show today and uh, enjoy the rest of the show here at Online Retailer in Sydney cheers bye this has been Fashion Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, fashionisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. This is your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.